0: seated. So good to see you here tonight. Amen. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. This is a very, very familiar passage of scripture. It's exciting. It's a wonderful passage that we get to talk about tonight. So look with me, if if you would, at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I read this and I simply say, what a blessing, what a truth, what a life. Amen. And what what peace. And what, what a promise that we have from the Lord this is a promise from the Lord for those that practice this and one might even ask is that even possible to live that way is it possible to be careful or worry about nothing is that even possible and I say according to the word of God yes absolutely it's possible do we always do it no probably not can you practice it and can I practice it and, and start doing it more and more and more, worrying less and less and trusting God more and more? Yes, we can. We absolutely can. We can make very real progress in this. We have the promise right here, and we're told what to do, to be careful for nothing. To be careful for nothing. Careful simply means just what you think it would mean. It'd be, your, your Bible might have a different word there, but it means anxious be anxious for nothing, to take care, basically, for nothing. This is repeated in the Bible. This is repeated in the scriptures where Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Okay, that is an instruction. It's an admonition. I would say this is not a suggestion. This is a commandment from the Lord. He's not saying if you feel like it. He's saying, Be careful for nothing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He says, Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first. So there's something we're told to do, and then we're told uh, a blessing from God for those that do it. It's very simple. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We're told here, Be careful for nothing, but give it all to God in in prayer, right? And the result of that is going to be the peace of God like we even sang about tonight as well that passes understanding. And so we do have concern for things. Don't think that when it says be careful for nothing that we're not to to be concerned about things. In other words, to plan for things, prepare for things, work hard for things. There's we are absolutely to do those things, and we're, we're taught that in the Bible as well. The difference is that we are, we are absolutely, as believers, are to be responsible for things that concern our earthly lives here. We do take concern, we do prepare, we do work, but we do not and are not to be fearful. We do not and are not to, to worry about things. Instead of worry, we are to, in everything Bring these things before the Lord in prayer. It's a very simple teaching, isn't it? And can somebody live that way? Absolutely. The Lord, can, somebody can live that way. We're called to live this way. And I, I, it's, I just kind of want to break down every little phrase, okay? So basically, be anxious for nothing or worry about nothing. But in everything, in everything, God is concerned with what concerns you. He is concerned with what concerns you. If it has to do with your life, nothing is too small and nothing is too big to bring before the Lord in prayer. I know that you know that. We want to certainly pray according to His will, amen, and we want to pray by faith. and We want to pray effectually and fervently. But just in general, there's nothing too small to bring before the Lord, and there's nothing too big. Sometimes we think something's too big, like revival to our country and we look and we say it's impossible it couldn't happen it's too far gone well that's limiting limiting God what he can do and the Bible says nothing's impossible with God every time that there's been a true revival it's been at the darkest time it's been when people thought there wouldn't be a revival and there was the greatest need for revival and people got serious and got on their knees and began to pray and fast and live holy lives and seek God for revival and he did it and nobody could take credit for it. Amen? Sometimes we think it's too big. I won't even bother the Lord with it because it cannot happen. It can happen. It can happen. Who would have thought? You know, the Lord told Moses, why are you, why are you standing here? Command the people to go forward. Hold out your staff over the sea. And God parted the sea. It looked like it was impossible. It was, it was out, of, uh, out of the realm of, of possibility or any help for the people. No way out, right? But God wants us to pray. Nothing's too big to bring before the Lord, and nothing is too small to bring before the Lord. You know, you're praying for your children uh, with final exams. You're praying for whatever it may be that you think is small, you know, parking place, whatever. Uh, God can answer those things and does answer those things. We're not to fret about them. That is a commandment. We're not to fret, okay? And I picture Jesus Christ, and I never, never read anywhere in in the Gospels, anywhere in the Scriptures where Jesus was fretting. You know why? You're never going to see it. We can see he was burdened. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane that he he prayed so earnestly that he sweated drops of blood, and his garments were soaked with blood before he ever got any wounds from the Roman soldiers. but there was, it wasn't a worry, it wasn't a fret, he wasn't anxious, he was, he was going through something in in his heart and mind, and knowing what he was about to face, and petitioning his father, which we're told to do, but there was not, he wasn't anxious, he wasn't fretting, and so God is concerned, whether it's big, medium, or small, whatever the size of the the request and the trial or the tribulation or the need. Uh, God, not, it's not too big or too small to bring before the Lord. The Bible says in the Old Testament, in Psalm 84, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No, no good thing. We're told in John fifteen seven about abiding. Uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask, that's prayer, what you will, then it shall be done unto you. It, 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 what you will. Certainly, as I said, we want to pray according to the will of God. But there's no parameters on that in the sense of this is too big, this is too little. Don't bother God with that. Or this is too hard for God and he can't do it. That's our thinking. That's not God's thinking at all. Amen. And so, uh, again, worry is a sin, I don't, I don't believe I'm stretching to say that, that worry is a sin and it is a result of not trusting the Lord. I've heard somebody say before, worry is the only sin that Christians brag about. Oh, I'm so worried about this. I'm so worried about, this. you know, we're always worried about something as though, uh, I don't know, it's almost, almost it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. We need to learn to be concerned about something or work at something is one thing to fret over it and be anxious is another and it is sinful and I just want to read this from it's a result of unbelief he that overcometh shall inherit all things it says in revelation 21 Jesus said said and I will be his God and he shall be my son but the fearful and the unbelieving I always think it's interesting that's the first two groups of people or maybe it's the same person these are lost people okay the fearful and the unbelieving. And, the, and then he goes on to say, The abominable, the murders, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It's interesting. This is the very end of the Bible, chapter 21. There's one more chapter after this. But he says, The fearful and the unbelieving. Being unbelie- fear and fretting, even on our part, is a result of n- not trusting God. That's all it's, it simply is. I'm not trusting the Lord with this. So I don't really believe God's going to help me. I don't really believe either he can or that he will. And so therefore, I'm left to myself, and I've got to figure something out. And I can't figure anything out. So now I'm fretting and I'm worried. And that is a result of not trusting God. It is a sin, and God wants us to trust him. It goes on to say, if you're still in that that passage, uh, in everything by prayer and supplication, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, it says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I believe, well, I know that every part of this admonition, instruction is important. We're to come before God with thanksgiving. You say, well, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm fretting. I have cares. I have troubles. I have, and and you're, but the Bible is saying, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. God hears us when we're thankful. It is a wonderful, godly trait. It is impossible outside of the grace of God to truly be thankful, but we're not outside of the grace of God, and we can be thankful. And we're to come before the Lord, even in our deepest, darkest need, where we're beseeching God, we're begging him, we're crying out to the Lord, like I'm sure some people in Texas are right now. We are to come before the Lord with thanksgiving. Come before the Lord. That's how we enter his presence. That's how we enter his gates. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus. And boy, when we start really listing all the things, we could go on for hours and hours. That's how we're to come before the Lord. And we have the request. He knows the request. Okay? But we are to approach our Heavenly Father with thanksgiving. Every believer should be thankful, and we should be thankful always. doesn't mean we're happy always. It doesn't mean things are going our way always. It means that we have the Lord always. And we, we can always thank God for something. And we don't have to look far to think of it. Okay? We don't have to look far to think of it. And I'll tell you one thing that I also believe about this passage. I believe whatever we're bringing before the Lord that care that we're casting upon him, that we are to thank him ahead of time. Thank you that you hear me when I call. Thank you that you've heard my call. Thank you that you're able to do this. Thank you that you do all things well. Thank you, Lord God, where I'm believing you to save my brother. I'm Thank you, Lord, that I'm believing you to do such and such ahead of time. Please save him, but I am thank you for being the savior of the world. I thank you that you love him and want him to be more, saved more than I do. You understand what I'm saying? So we're thanking God beforehand, even when nothing has changed. The Bible says uh, to be thankful always, amen, to, re- to rejoice evermore, to give thanks in, in every situation for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so we're to be thankful. It says, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. So there's a couple of words here for prayer. They're really not all that different, but I do want to touch on them just quickly. We hear about prayer as being just prayer in general, and we hear words like uh, petitions and requests and, and intercessions and supplications and, and different words for prayer. They all have slightly different meanings, but basically it's this, prayer, whereby in everything to let our... our by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our request be made known unto God. Prayer is just prayer in general, okay? Prayer. It also, when you look up the definition, it's, it is also says worship. Beside prayer, you, you might not think of that. The definition of prayer in the Bible, this Greek word here, it says, uh, it means worship. It means to pray earnestly. The word prayer... Means worship and to pray earnestly. And so that's just, that would encompass all the types of prayer, okay? Specifically, when you get in words like supplication and request, that's actually the same Greek word. Um, supplications and requests have to do with definite, detailed, specific prayers. I'll give an example uh, Lord, save the lost, okay? Lord, bring revival, save the lost. That would be prayer, and a supplication or request would be like, "Save my brother," "Save my coworker, Joe," you know what I mean? And the Lord, it's specific, it's detailed. Uh, it, you know, he healed the sick people. You know, healed Jenny of this stomach issue that he ha- she has she's going to the doctor tomorrow she's going for a biopsy let it be negative lord god we pray for a good report for her and for these eyes you see what i'm saying they're all prayer but the the request we are to and i think both are, are very important and i'll give another example Is, have you ever said lord forgive me of all my sins and you just roll on to the next thing you want we need to ask god for forgiveness of sins but we also need to get specific God, forgive me for lying to my boss today to to get out of trouble. You understand there's a difference. Just forgive me of all my sins and nothing really, it's like water off a duck's back. Like they say, it just kind of rolls off. Okay, he's a merciful God. He forgives. But he wants us to confess our sins, which means agree with him. And so we we need to be specific and say, forgive me for X, Y, Z. And then he might and, and, Lord, help me not to do that again and strengthen me. And there may be somebody you need to go to, like your boss, and say, Boss, you might think I'm nuts, but I lied to you yesterday. I've already asked God to forgive me. I'm a Christian. I'm asking you to forgive me. Do with me what you think you need to do. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, that, that would be more like a supplication. And so the Lord knows. I know that we know this from the Scriptures, but the Lord knows what we have need of before we ask him, right? I'll just read this. You don't have to turn there. Also in Matthew 6, which I quoted earlier, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. This was like food and shelter and clothing and those types of things. He says, for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He's got it. The Lord's saying, I've got it. I know that you need, I know you need a healing. I know that you need, you just got laid off your job and and you know, the rent's due or the mortgage is due or whatever uh, tuition is due for your kids in school, he knows it. He knows it. He's aware of it. Well, somebody might, and it'd be a good question, well, why even ask then? If God already knows what's the point of prayer? What's the point of beseeching the Lord? What's the point of the habit and the practice of praying? I'll tell you the habit is because he tells us to. And I'll tell you the habit is because there's a relationship. And we just called, Jesus just called God our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father takes care of a sparrow. And our Heavenly Father takes care of a squirrel who needs a nut to eat, right? Our Heavenly Father takes care of those things. And we know our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. And He wants us to come to Him. We have a lot of families in our church. We have families with children and young children. You would be appalled... You would be dumbfounded if your five-year-old, you know, uh, twisted their ankle, gashed their knee open, bust, you know, busted it playing on the sidewalk or something and, and didn't come to you for help because they didn't think you would want to help or could help. Or if your children, you know, got scared and they ran to the neighbor's house for safety instead of coming to you, you would like, honey, don't you know that uh, I'm your Dad, I'm your mom. I want to take care of you. It's just so natural, right? And so, if your children have needs—not that they get every single thing they want, right? None of us do—but if they have needs, you absolutely, without question, question, without hesitation, no matter how tired you are, or no matter how bad you feel yourself, no matter how big a sacrifice it is to you yourself, you're going to, without question, meet the need of your own child, right? And so prayer is us coming to our Heavenly Father. Yes, He knows we have need of all these things. Your children know, I mean, you know that your children have need of the things they have need of. Shelter and clothing and food and medicine when they need that. And yet they still come to you and you want them to come and voice that to you at that time. And the the, the example is that God is our Father. He says, which of you having a son, if his son asks for bread, are you going to give him, uh, I I forgot exactly, like a scorpion or a serpent or something like that? You wouldn't come close to it. he's talking to people that may or may not know the Lord, just in a natural sense. You're going to give them what they need because you love them. And it's just a natural relation. God wants us to come to him. In that same way. And he says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be open. There's three things I'm told to do. Ask. Who? God, my Father. Seek, knock. Well, he already knows I have need of these things. I know, but there's a relationship. And he wants you to learn his hand and his provision and his heart to provide. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him first. He wants you to come to him last. He wants you to come to him all the time. And then you can be thankful, Lord, thank you. Give us this day our daily bread. He gives us our daily bread. Thank you, Father, for my daily bread. You understand, it's all about the Lord. It all comes from the Lord. So prayer is, is that communication and that relationship between God. So here we're just talking about prayer requests and things that we have need of, but we're to bring those burdens before the Lord. Amen? And whatever we have need of, y'all, whatever we have need of, Not want of, but whatever we have need of, God has at his disposal and will give to us and we receive it by prayer. That's how we receive. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. That's why we don't have. We have not because we ask not. Again, it's not every little whim and want that we have. It's not always necessarily the second that we want it. But everything that we have need of, our God will provide, and it comes to us from the Lord by prayer. Amen? Whatever we will use for his glory. We need to let that sink in for just a minute. Whatever we will use for his glory. He is able and willing and happy to provide us with. Whatever we use for His glory, if He knows we're not we're going to squander it, if He knows, uh, like it says in James, you have not because you ask not, you ask and receive not because you, you want to use it for and consume it upon your own lust, it has nothing to do with the glory of God, then that's another reason we don't have when we're asking, okay? But the the whole point here in this, just in this first six, is don't worry about it, take it to God in prayer. So if you want, and I do. If you want to worry less, pray more. If you want to worry less, pray more. So what's the result of this? We have a promise from God. Verse verse 6 is just telling the believer what to do. And verse 7 says, what's the blessing that comes from this? What's the result of this? Hallelujah. It's a wonderful result. Read it with me. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding... Shall so keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is all we're going to cover tonight is this verse 7. It's worth, it's worth looking at, verses 6 and 7. So the promise of God, the blessing of God, comes to those who practice what we what, what were told to do in verse 6. And so it's his peace, and it's peace that removes anxiety. Do you want that in your life? His peace, and his peace that actually removes the anxiety, the worry, the fretting, the fear. And it's given to us through Christ Jesus. That's what it says, through Christ Jesus at the end of this verse. We don't produce it. We don't produce this peace, but we can have this peace. Amen? We don't produce it or make it ourselves. It's not the result of positive thinking or something like this. We don't produce it, it, but we can have it, and we can have it when we're fully resting in God. When we're fully resting in God, at that moment, however long we want to stay there, however long we do stay there, we're going to find that we're not fearful. We're going to find that we're not anxious. We're going to find that we're not fretting. We're going to find that we're not worried about tomorrow. While we're abiding in the presence of God, he gives us that peace. Amen? Again, Jesus was never fretting. I love this scripture from Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Amen? Because he trusted in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That's those two verses back to back. That's a good one uh, to take hope in. And, but it's the peace of God there in the Old Testament and here in the New Testament. It's p- peace. From the Lord, which passes understanding, all understanding. It literally means it's peace that surpasses human knowledge and comprehension. It's peace that passes human comprehensions. It says, shall keep your hearts and minds. I'll tell you this, a lost person knows nothing of this peace. They might have peace when uh, the economy is bad because they have so much money stored up. They're not worried about it. There are people on this planet could care less about the price of gas. It will never affect them. It will never affect them. It will not touch them. Groceries go up. Everything goes up as a result. It's not going to touch them. They have so much money. But they know nothing about this peace. They know nothing about this peace. It is peace that surpasses all human knowledge and, comprehensions, and comprehension. And we're told, what is it going to do for us? It's going to... The peace that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so I need my mind kept by the Lord, and I need it kept in peace. I need my heart not to fret and trouble and flutter, you know, because I'm so scared of what's about to happen. We, we know that the Bible tells us in tribulation period uh, that that when God is is bringing these different uh, judgments upon the earth and signs and wonders and plagues and different things that are happen, happening. It says that men's hearts are going to be failing them with fear. Big, strong men, rich men, people that shake their little puny fist at God, all kinds of people, people that are wealthy, they're going to be, hearts are going to be failing them with fear. We don't have that. We're not going to have that. But if our hearts and minds are stayed upon the Lord. It shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so when we, by faith with thanksgiving, make our requests known to God as a practice, it's very important this is a practice. Well, I tried that once and it didn't work. Well, it's, it's a walk with God. It's a walk with God. It's a pattern. It's, it's a practice That we walk with the Lord. It's a practice of bringing our requests to God. It's a practice to be anxious for nothing. It's a practice to come and let those requests be known to God. And when we practice that, we're going to find that God supplies all of our needs. He frees us from all of our fears and stress. And he keeps our hearts and minds. He keeps our hearts and hours in trials. He assures us in times of doubt. He delivers us from the hour of temptation. He keeps us there. And so he is our sufficiency. The word keep here, I want to tell you what it means because I I think it's a great picture of what, what the Lord does for us. Keep here is a military word. It's a military word, and it means to guard. Like a soldier guards a camp or guards a castle. Those that are specifically assigned to that duty. Everybody else is sleeping, but your job tonight is to watch this gate. Your job, and they put a good guy, their best guy out there, they know somebody that's trustworthy, that's not going to snooze off or be looking at their cell phone. Your job is to guard against an intruder. Your job is to guard against someone trying to come in, an enemy doing harm. And that is what the Lord does for us. He keeps, amen, he keeps us. For God assures and guards our hearts and minds against the attacks of the enemy. Has the devil tried to attack your heart and mind? You better believe he does. And one of the biggest things he uses is fear. It's not the only thing, but it's one of the biggest things he uses is fear. And God wants to keep and, and he will guard our hearts and minds. As I said, when we're in the presence of the Lord at that moment, we're not fretting. We're not worrying. Jesus never worried. He never worried. Never. There's not one, because that would have been a sin. He wouldn't, it would have been a time of him not trusting the Lord, and that never happened. And so we can be like that, but it all comes through Christ Jesus. That's how that passage ends at the end of verse 7. It comes to us through Christ Jesus. There is no other place where our needs can be met, and there's no other place where we can receive such peace than from the Lord. I know I said it a, a minute ago. It does not come from uh, feeling good feelings. It doesn't come from positive thinking. And, and even there are certain camps in the Christian faith where they get into, you know, uh, I, I remember an individual, you know, eating up with cancer and you would say, I'm praying for your healing, praying that God will heal you of cancer. And they say, I don't, no, don't confess that. Well, they ended up dying of cancer. They loved Jesus. They loved the Lord. And they were true Christians. But that is, that is not really what's taught in the scriptures, that we just make a positive confession contrary to reality. We call upon God to do something contrary to the natural. It's a miracle, something impossible, but not with God. But just to say I'm not going to confess that, um, you know, our country needs revival. I'm not going to confess that. You know, it's just, it's ludicrous. It's just not, it's not what's taught in the Bible. And so, it, the peace that God gives doesn't come from positive thinking. It doesn't come from feeling good. And I'll tell you one other thing it doesn't come from. It doesn't come from uh, the absence of any conflicts or troubles in your life. This is, I think, the main thing for us tonight. As far as this peace that God promises and gives, it does not come as a result that finally, you know, after 58 years, every little trouble's finally been purged out of my life and I have none. When's that going to happen? Never. In heaven. I shouldn't say never. Never in this life, okay? Never in this life. So this peace is not a result that... um, everything's perfectly orchestrated the way I want it to be. Every trial, every tribulation is gone. And I think some people think that, God, if you'll do this, I'll have peace when this, I'll have peace when I'm healed, I'll have peace when I get that job, I'll have peace when I get the house paid off, I'll have peace when all my children are doing perfectly with the Lord. No, that's the point. It's it's a peace in the midst of that. It's a peace in the midst of the storm. It's Jesus laying down and sleeping Perfectly in the bottom of the boat in the middle of a storm and not worrying and fretting like his disciples were. That's the whole point. It's not a result of everything being lined up perfectly in your life without a care or problem in in this world. That's not going to happen. And we're not promised that in this life. you are going to have tribulations, right? You're going to have tribulations. Be of good cheer cheer. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. My peace is in that the Lord delivers me, and I have a promise that he will deliver the righteous. Even in death, we're delivered. Amen? The Lord will deliver them out of them all. There's not one trial or affliction that a believer will go through that God Almighty won't deliver you from. Not one. That's to bring us a peace. That's to give us peace. It's not the midst, and I'll bring this to a close, but it's not the absence of problems, okay? And so uh, think about Paul. Paul's writing this from prison. He had peace in a Roman prison. At this point he was writing, he said, I'm going to see how it goes with me. He didn't even know what, what was going to be the end result, like his punishment, his sentencing at this time. He didn't even know. But he had peace and he had joy. And this is what he's trying to teach the Philippian believers. And so God's peace is is like this legacy that God gives us. I want to read this from John 14. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. A wonderful, he's telling us, don't let it be, but he's also telling us it's something he gives us. My peace I give unto you, my peace I'm leaving with you. And so it is also a fruit of the Spirit. And again, I'm bringing this to a close the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension is as a, as a result of us praying and trusting God. And it is something he gives us, it is a fruit of his Holy Spirit, it is a guard. For our minds and our hearts. And for all all Christians can have this peace. Amen. All all Christians have peace with God. There's two different things. Romans 5.1. Therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every believer that is a believer, no matter if they're really living for God fully or not, has peace with God. There's two estranged parties. We were enemies with God. We've been reconciled by the blood of his cross. True believer, okay? Peace with God. Nothing between me and God as far as, you know, uh, fitting me for heaven or anything like that. I'm forgiven and cleansed and justified freely by his grace. But all believers don't have, but can have, peace with God. I mean, I'm sorry, the peace of God. We all have peace with God. But he wants us to have the peace of God. And that comes not to everybody. It comes to everybody who will trust him. Everybody who will cast our cares upon the Lord. Amen. It is grounded in God's presence. It's grounded in God's promise. It's grounded in God's power. I want to read a little poem. I don't usually do a lot of poems. But this was in a commentary I was studying. Stayed upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. It comes when our hearts and minds are stayed upon the Lord. Amen. Last scripture I'm going to close with, and Chris, you can come, is from Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, heart, and be ye thankful. I'm going to read it again. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We just think, well, I can't help but worry. And yes, you can. There's an answer to that. God will help you. I just can't help it. You can help it. By the grace of God, you can help it. You can say, Lord, i worry too much and i worry about this primarily or these things. And I find myself worrying all the time. Well, find yourself bringing those things to the Lord in prayer. Find yourself reading the promises of God and see what he promises. Find yourself in the presence of God. You cannot be in the presence of God and worrying at the same time. We have to almost check out, you know, check out of God's presence and the promises of God for a while, and then we start fretting and getting fearful because I'm in my own little zone. It's just me, me, myself, and I and my problems. But I get over here back into the presence of the Lord and abide in him. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Let it reign in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. It happens, y'all, or it's provided to us through Christ Jesus as we trust him. Amen. So again, if you want to worry less, pray more. Pray more. And just y'all stand with me tonight. The altars are open. Just come and take a few moments before the Lord. Cast your cares before the Lord. He knows what you have need of. He knows what I have need of before I'm lifted up to him. But he wants us to practice bringing these things before him that we see it's him that answers. It's him that provides. It wasn't coincidence. It wasn't wishful thinking. It wasn't my own cleverness that got me this. God answered my prayer. And we give him the glory. And we give him the thanks. And we testify of his goodness, amen. And we practice this as a practice, as a habit. The peace of God will rule in our hearts, amen. We need it. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need what has just been preached tonight. And, y'all, it's not just what's been preached tonight. It's what's promised by the Lord to us. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And I don't have to even speak for everyone here, Lord. I confess. I worry. I worry about things. And I worry too much because any is too much God. I thank you Lord for the promise that we have that the peace of God which passes understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.